This is Darnell Nurse from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30. Chet. Messier with a lead to Verbeek. Verbeek down the left side to Messier. Fakes. He shoots, and it's blocked in front. Rebound. Score. Ray Bark, the hometown hero. Ray Bark gives the East a 5-4 lead with 37.3 seconds to go. Ah, oh, the uh, legend himself, Sam Rosen. That was the 96 All-Star game, I believe. Uh, that's when Ray Bork uh, scored. I think Craig McTavish played in that game. Uh, remember where they had the, the uh, I don't know what they call it, a Legends pick or uh, a, I don't know what they call it, like an over-35 pick, something like that. <laughs> Over-ager draft? Yeah, <laughs> they tried that, I think, and Craig McTavish, who I believe at the time was playing for the St. Louis Blues, mm. um, or it might have been the Flyers, but uh, he, uh, yeah, he got involved in that. So, yeah, that, that, that was one of the better All-Star games in uh, the last uh, number of years. Well, yeah, you had Ray Bork's game winner, of course. That's also the same game, I believe, where Owen Nolan called his shot coming across the neutral zone on Dominic, ha- uh, sorry, on Dominic Hasek, I should say. Yes. And, uh, yeah, scored uh, top right-hand corner, I believe, or something. One of the great all-time All-Star game goals and one of the great all-time NHL moments you'll ever see. So. Yes. Indeed, indeed. Um, we heard from Darnell Nurse there. Um, his cousin, Sarah, is uh, taking part. Uh, there are five members, uh, two from the uh, U.S. national team and three from Canada. Uh, Rebecca Johnson is another uh, Canadian player taking part. But Sarah Nurse did the Forsberg on Shesterkin in the Tendy Challenge. And yes, Stuart Skinner shot the puck from his own end after making a pretty nice save. Uh, beforehand and uh, found the back of the net all the way from, uh, you know, 200 feet away. Good job, Stu. Good job. And uh, did Connor McDavid just win the accuracy shooting? Here? I believe he did. Uh, was had, had my head down, but I will take a look at the replay and get back to you on that. Yeah, four for four. Yeah, it's four for four. Right on. Um, so he wins. I did not see how Leon Dreisaitl did. Uh, well, We'll catch you up a little bit later on. And, uh, you know, so far the Oilers having a pretty good showing at the uh, All-Star game, at mm-hmm. the uh, skills competition. Okay, so it was about uh, coming up to two years ago. I think it was at the end of March. We got this uh, news release from the CFL, which said, we're entering talks with the XFL on a merger. And I went, oh, really? That's interesting. And then I get this uh, DM from something called the MarketCast. And I'm like, what in the heck is this? And I went on their show. And at the time, there was a couple of people. One was uh, Paul Sanchez. And the other one is our guest right now. And I've been on his his podcast several times now. It is the MarkCast. And Reed Johnson, who I've been a guest on his show, is now a guest on our show. Reed, buddy, how you doing? It's good. Well, it only makes sense that you were the first uh, Canadian, you know, radio person, I think, to come on our show, that now I will be, this is my first Canadian radio exposure on your show. So I think that that, well, you're, however the show works out tonight, but yes, excited to be here. I, uh, I, I think it's a, it's an appropriate uh, uh, extend, extension for you because, yes, I was the first Canadian media member from that, that covers the CFL uh, on your show, and it was... Uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, I wasn't sure what you and Paul were going to ask me, but I'm like, 
these guys know their CFL. They follow CFL. Now, it's just you that, that handles the Marcast now. But tell me about, I guess, uh, first how the podcast started and, and just what you wanted to accomplish with the pod, because it is a very good podcast. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, so we, yeah, my old co-host, Paul and I, we started after, uh, you may know, you know, The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and his uh, business partner, Danny Garcia, purchased the XFL from bankruptcy back, uh, you know, two and a half years ago. That's <laughs> like a really long time. Yeah. And uh, we had been fans of XFL in 2020, and it had gone away, and that had kind of forayed me into uh, sports in general. Like, I had covered the Seahawks. I live here in Seattle uh, for their Super Bowl run, but really wasn't into sports the way that certainly I am now. And so when the XFL went away, you know, we were kind of sad, came back. We thought, well, let's do an XFL podcast. And then, uh, you know, between them pushing the league to start back a year, the talks with the CFL pushing it back a year, uh, I am episode 130 today, and the XFL still has not played it down. <laughs> but we decided we needed many more things to talk about in the interim. So that is how the CFL and everything else came into the picture. Now, as I mentioned, I've been on your show several times. You've had Morley Scott on the show. You've had Reed Wilkins on the show. You've had some big-name media people on the show, like my buddy Farhan Lalji has been on your show, and I think you've had Dave Naylor on the show. You've had a number of CFL media personalities. And even the last couple of weeks, you've had some Edmonton Elks personalities on in Victor Kui, the president and CEO. And you, you just talked to Chris Jones as well? Just talk to Chris. Uh, yeah, we recorded it. Uh, he was down in L.A. a week ago. But, yeah, I had Chris Jones. That's our episode that went today up on uh, – you were on YouTube and audio. But, yeah, we had Chris Jones uh, on there. Really, I to, you know, because I don't always think that people know, like, okay, what is happening here, right? Like, I'm, I'm like you, you know, I'm coming on this show. What's going on? But I think the CFL media – by large, not all, but by large, have been very tolerant of this uh, crazy American with a podcast uh, from Seattle. Yeah, Arash Badani has never come back, though, right? I mean, that, that's the right. one show that really didn't go very well from... Uh... <laughs> uh, but Arash and I are, you know, we exchanged hugs up. We were just in a Regina oh, for, uh, you know, for the Great Coast. Uh, Arash and I are fine. I have feuds <laughs> with other people in the CFL media, but no, Arash okay. and I, I think, are on good speaking terms. Okay, that's good. That's good to hear. So... Tell me, what is it about the CFL? Now, explain to everyone. You're in Washington State, right? Uh, where specifically are you Correct. in Washington? So we're, I'm in Seattle. So we, you know, I hail the BC Lions, America's CFL team, as I call them. We also, you know, we championed Edmonton. You were a part of that when you came on the show. And, uh, you know, lots of friends, you know, on the Edmonton team as well. But, uh, yeah, we, uh, well, I guess, what was your question? Sorry. Well, just, just first of all, uh, well, uh, Let's just get back. Uh, you talked about how the show came to be, but a lot of that was your love for the CFL. I know uh, the XFL is something that you, you really enjoy, USFL. Um, you cover basically football leagues that are not the NFL, but what is it about the CFL that really pulls you in? Yeah, 100%. So we, I call us the all like alternative football or alt football podcast. And I know that that upsets some CFL fans. Some of our CFL fans get it. We cover anything non-NFL. Like there's fan control football we talk about down here. They just announced the Arena League uh, coming back here after a hiatus. But, you know, as much as uh, adversarialness as there is between uh, CFL fans, XFL fans, you know, following these merger talks and, oh, my God, they're going to, you know, take over the league or whatever, um, you know, the core principles of all of these leagues are so similar and that it's giving these guys – 
uh, you know, not only on the field, but coaching staff, everybody getting shots, right? There's such a finite number of positions in the NFL, no matter how good you are, you know, politics gets into it, right, with teams and, okay, who do we have spots for and roster sizes and, and timing and, you know, even with COVID, that took, you know, two years for the players out of, you know, kind of the normal rotation. CFL, XFL, USFL, whatever, you know, gives these players an opportunity and then we see them work their way back uh, to the NFL. You know, we had Kevontae Turpin, who was uh, a pro bowler for the uh, Dallas Cowboys this year. He played in, you know, fan football and the USFL. Obviously, Taylor Heineke, who, you know, my Washington commanders, although I live in Seattle, Washington, I champion <laughs> the Washington, D.C. commanders. You know, he was a backup in the XFL, and it was because of him being in game shape that he was able to get that call in play. So that's why we enjoy all of these non-NFL leagues. So uh, I want to ask you, when when the CFL and the XFL were in talks and we didn't really hear much unless, you know, you know, someone like a Dave Naylor or Farhan Lalji was reporting on, you know, whatever they were being, you know, given, whatever information was uh, being, you know, put on their lap. And, of course, I understand that, uh, of course. But, you know, were were you were you surprised when the CFL decided to walk away or or how did you see that? Like from you know my perspective, I just didn't know how it was going to work if the two leagues were going to play each other. I'm like, I, I I can't see how that worked. But is there other means that they could kind of share resources? But what was your thoughts about you know from you being from afar that okay here are these two leagues talking here's the Rock with his capital and Danny Garcia with their capital here's the CFL with their history of running a league and then all of a sudden it just went kablooey. Yeah, it was frustrating because I think, you know, obviously we and we really leaned into that, right, where some of the and not that there was a lot, but there was, you know, XFL media, right, that were covering kind of getting the league back up. And, you know, we really steered into that. Okay, let's talk about the CFL. Let's figure out what's going on. You know, it could have been anything, right? We were talking cross continental, you know, 18 teams all the way down to could they just exchange, you know, player transaction information and scouting tapes and stuff. Uh, knowing, you know, what I've learned now, because we and we're still learning, you know, every day on our podcast about the CFL and the history, right? Like I don't try to pretend to be this expert about, you know, you know, hundred years plus of all this history, but you know, the way the CFL is run, Board of Governors, Ambrosi, everybody else. The interactions I've had, you know, with Danny and The Rock, we were down this summer when they were had some of the press conferences and announcements. Uh, it really strong-minded leadership on both sides, and it does not surprise me now, knowing what I do now, that neither side would want to compromise really in any way. And and so, you know, all of these fan fictions that we thought would have been really cool, I, it, it does seem like in retrospect that probably none of that was even on the table. Yeah. Um, the XFL had a pretty good run in their 2.0 version, and then COVID derailed it. Um, 3.0. How optimistic are you about XFL 3.0, or is this the real big question mark about we have no idea how this may go? Um, you know, we're getting there, right? So we're 15 days away from kickoff right now. I literally just posted on my MarkCast account on Twitter, you know, the MarkCast uh, about an hour ago, uh, the seeding charts for the first four games, right? XFL is is leaning heavily into crowd attendance, right? We saw the USFL last year 
they were able to run purely based off the money because Fox Fox owns the USFL. Right. It's not as reliant on you know crowd attendance. XFL, their uh, TV deal is not public, but the understanding is it's much more reliant on people in the stands, you know, buying merchandise, doing all those things. And so um, the, this, the, it does it, it, it's kind of a mixed bag right now. We see, we see some stadiums with a lot of empty seats. We have some with, they seem to be doing well. I wish we would see more national media exposure right now. And we haven't seen that. We see a lot of social media stuff. We see a lot of the rock tweeting stuff, but, but not a lot of national TV ads that you would like to see. And in even a lot of local fan events, we have some in Seattle. We have one this weekend here, but uh, I would like to see more of that. Reed Johnson joins us. He's the host of the MarketCast podcast, which is a podcast that deals with uh, all brands of football minus the NFL, including a heavy emphasis on the CFL. Uh, joining us tonight on 630 Chat Inside Sports. So you're a CFL fan. You, you've, been to, you've been to a great cup. Uh, you watch the games. I'll ask a two-part question. It's kind of like the one side of the pancake kind of question so the first side of the pancake is what concerns you about the cfl and secondly what gives you optimism and what excites you about the cfl going forward yeah well i'll answer that with the same uh the same thing is for both sides so i think the strongest thing the cfl uh cfl has is their fans right and just the loyalty and the lineage and the history of that you know, we see all the time, and I post in the same XFL and the CFL groups and all of that, and, oh, this twice failed, and we've been around, da, 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 da. like, you know, obviously, the CFL stability, we just had Chris Jones on today talking, we're able to offer players, they know what's going to be coming, they know that they're going to be able to have a job next year, but sometimes that lineage and, and just the... The, the you know stubbornness of some older fans especially it really mm -hmm. gets in the way we saw this year right they had the new cfl tv schedule come out seemingly trying to be a little bit more tv friendly especially if they're going to have this american you know tv deal whatever that we've heard about now since gray cup i uh, you you know i saw all sorts of people on twitter why well, can't drive to the game at that time or it's getting out too late <laughs> and, you know i mean talk to talk to americans on east coast time with 11:30 p.m conclusions of sunday night football how that works out like that is a normal thing but you get people that, that are so passionate and so locked into it but then on the same side they're very reluctant to change it's a double-sided coin and what's your impressions when you talk to victor Quee? just about um kind of your your you know he's coming off a tough season i think it maybe surprised him um in the guts of a season you know with the negativity and that sort of thing but now he's you know looking towards the 2023 what what did you glean out of your conversation with victor that you know what, what really kind of grabbed you um, honestly, you know, it, it was surprising to me. You know, I thought Victor came in last year and it was uh, really excited, right? We're doing all this stuff and, you know, we're running these things and they ran ads and stuff. I I don't see that same level right now. And it, it could just be my Twitter timeline is more, you know, filled with USFL stuff, XFL stuff. But, you know, and I asked him about that. Like, are you, you know, it's been a year. Are you able to kind of maintain the same momentum? 
because it's a lot of headwind and CFL moves slow and people want stuff right away. And, you know, he's got to deal with the league and all this different stuff. But uh, I don't, like, I don't know if, if Victor came out last year on Twitter at, you know, a 15 out of 10, is it a 10 out of 10 now? Is it an eight out of 10? I don't know. I don't know. It's very challenging to keep up that pace the whole time. That was my takeaway was just, I don't feel, I still feel the enthusiasm, but if it was, you know, overflowing before it's just at the brim now, if that makes sense. I don't think he's like not actively working. It just doesn't feel as volcanic as it was last year. Yeah. Oh yeah. I appreciate that perspective for sure. Um, Okay, before we finish up, we got to talk some hockey. Uh, you're a hockey team. You're a huge Seattle Kraken fan. What's it like being at Climate Pledge Arena? Because I know you've been a few times. Uh, yeah, so we have half-season tickets. Kraken are really hot right now. And I will say, uh, we have a really hot rivalry with the Oilers right now. Yeah, yes, I, I know that you follow <laughs> and all that. I was at the game. The, I think it was 7-3 to three game here. I... Dorothy had not even gotten to her seat yet, and we were, I think we were already down <laughs> zero to three. We had pulled Grubauer, put in Martin Jones, but then we came up on that big road trip. You know, we beat, we were seven in a row all through Canada, you know, cracking, taking care of stuff. But it's exciting. I mean, Seattle is really all in right now on that. We have a lot of disposable income here. There's a lot of cracking jerseys. There's a lot of cracking merch. You see it everywhere right now at bars and restaurants i was at the wedding show last weekend for my you know my actual job and you see you know grooms walking around the wedding show and cracking gear so uh <laughs> it, it's very exciting but i i like that we're building some uh organic rivalries obviously we have the canucks and we finally beat them here and it took you know them firing their coach and everything to do that but uh <laughs> You know, I, I like having some organic rivalries, and if we can go back and forth with Edmonton, that's exciting. All right. Reed, uh, like I say, I love coming on your your show, and I'm really happy that you had the chance to come on our show, and uh, we'll talk down the road, my friend. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you. That is Reed Johnson of the Cast. He's uh, in Washington State, uh, and uh, he loves the CFL. He loves the XFL. Um, but it's uh, it's always great to have a perspective from an American who loves the CFL and they tell you why they love the CFL and to get their perspective on how the league could be better and what's really good about the league. It's uh, it's really cool. Yeah, that was great. We'll be back with more. We'll tell you how good Connor McDavid was in the accuracy shooting in a moment. Well, how good did Connor McDavid do in the accuracy shooting? He went four for four in 9.49 seconds. So he hasn't won it, but he's going to the accuracy competition final. Callan, he basically, he cut it, he cut the leaders. Uh, uh, I can't remember. Oh, it was Kucherov. He had 18 seconds. He cut it by half. That's a 50% reduction. Yeah. <laughs> he cut um, it by half. <laughs> Connor McDavid is really, really good at hockey. And yes. we're finding that out on a daily basis up here. So yes. uh, there are going to be at least one, maybe many coffee table books written about his exploits oh, yeah. before yeah. this is all said and done. So so if you wanted a reason to get off of, off of your chair and cheer, uh, Connor McDavid just did it. Four for four in 9.49 seconds in the accuracy shooting. He's off in the final. Uh, the hotline, and we thank Reed Johnson. Brought to you by Certainty, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling system. Certainty, pro all the way. Keep you updated on the skills competition in Florida. We're going to talk a little more CFL free agency and a little Jets talk. 
Derek Taylor, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers from our sister station, CJOB, around the corner after a news update from the 630 Chet 24-Hour News Center.